All right, everybody say mind games. If you got a Bible, go to 1 Samuel 17. Yeah, 1 Samuel 17. I want to talk to you about the giant in your head. The giant in your head. Turn to the person next to you and say, who's in your head? Who's in your head? Yesterday, I was at one of our boys' basketball games. We got three boys in basketball, three sons, and they were cheering each other on. And you could tell the other team, they were playing hard against one of our son's teams. It was back and forth, back and forth. And one of the things that happens in sports is the opponent tries to get in your head, right? They try to talk trash a little bit. They try to mess with you. They try to intimidate you while you're dribbling the ball. They try to make you second guess whether you should take the shot or not. They wanna get in your head. This is what the devil wants to do to believers. He wants to get in your head because as a man thinketh, so is he. Paul, Paul said in Romans that we are transformed by the renewing of what? Our mind. If we're gonna win out here, we gotta win in here. If we don't get renewed in our minds, we're going to be very stale in our lives. We're gonna be very dry. We're gonna be very defeated, discouraged, constantly second-guessing ourselves, wondering if we're making the right decision, whether it's in marriage, finances, family, life, uh, decisions in school, university, whatever season of life you're in as a single, that, that we will not win the victory on the outside until we win the victory on the inside. So in 1 Samuel 17, there's this battle happening. And there's these two armies that have lined up across from each other. You got the Philistines on one side, and they're up on a hillside. They've got an upper ground perspective. And then you have the Israelites on the other side of this hill, this mountain. They also have an upper ground perspective. And the battle is going to happen in the middle. The battle always happens in the middle. It happens between the ears. The battle doesn't happen out here, it happens in here. Whoever wins the battle in the valley will occupy the territory of who is called to possess the land. So Israel believed this land was theirs, but the Philistines wanted to take it from Israel. The Philistines said, no, this land is ours. So they're meeting right here, and it says in verse four, then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. So Goliath comes out into the valley. Israel's up here. Juan, will you step up here? I want you to be Goliath for a second. No, over here, yeah, 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 perfect. He's a good Goliath right here. But watch this, Israel has the higher ground. When Goliath stepped forward to shout at Israel, he wasn't shouting from a hillside down, he was shouting from a valley up. But when Israel was listening to Goliath, now Goliath was nine feet tall, look at this. Um, in, in verse five, it says Goliath was nine feet plus tall. That's a big I've never met a person who's nine feet plus tall. I played basketball with a guy who was seven foot four at Victory back in, back in 2003. I played with a guy named David Schaefer, seven foot four. He was tall, but nine feet, six inches. I mean, this is a giant. And then he's wearing armor that's over 100 pounds. He's got a breastplate. He's got a shield. He's got a sword. He's got a javelin. He's got these, you know, he's just huge, just massive. And yet he's in the valley. But as he begins to shout in verse eight, he says, why are you coming out to fight? Why are you even here? Who do you think you are? I am the Philistine champion. I am Goliath, but you are just servants of Saul. Do you see what just happened? He just got bigger and I just got smaller. Or step back, he didn't get bigger on the outside. He just got bigger on the inside. Israel's listening, keep walking. Israel's listening and as he talks, if you don't talk back to your giants, if you don't stand up to your giants, if you don't try to fight your giants, they get bigger and bigger and bigger. Not on the outside, but in here. Stress, fear, worthlessness, I'll never be good enough. I can't do this, I, I shouldn't even try. Those giants will intimidate you. I'm talking today about the giant in your head. I'm not talking about Goliath on the outside. I'm talking about the diagnosis the doctor said out here that started out as just a small thing, but when you started searching on Google, how bad is this cough? What's really going on? We turn molehills into mountains. We turn the common flu into a worldwide pandemic. We turn something small into something so big. We go, it's impossible. 
God can't fix this. God can't heal me. Goliath is way too big. He's way too big. I'll never conquer this bad habit. I'll never get out of this. I'll never overcome. And so we succumb to a giant in our head. And here's what Goliath does. He says, I challenge you. If you have a man, if there's even a man in your army who can fight. By the way, he called them servants of Saul. He knew who he was. Goliath said, I'm a champion, but you, you're just servants of Saul. Our identity determines our activity. If we think all we are is just a servant of Saul, all I am is just a citizen of the United States, all I am is just, just Paul, then we will succumb to who we think we are. But if I go, hold on, I'm not just a citizen of the United States, I'm a citizen of a greater kingdom, I'm a citizen of heaven. If I'm just a citizen of the United States, all I can do is travel to other countries and come back into America. And that's great to have that on my passport. But if I'm a citizen of heaven, then every battle from hell that shows up on my doorstep, I have a higher vantage point. Every battle that the devil sends to my family, to my body, to my mind, to my marriage, to my finances, I have a heavenly citizenship that is greater than any hellish battle I'm walking through. See, Goliath wanted to tell the armies of Israel, you got nothing, you are nothing because your servants of a mere man who's running for the caves named Saul. And so they listened. He said, I challenge you, find me a man who can fight. If you can find me a man who will fight, if he kills me, we'll be your slaves the rest of our lives. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves for the rest of your lives. This was a fight for territory. The giant in your head is fighting for territory over your future. Make no mistake, what you're up against right now is not just fear for today. It's your future for tomorrow. It's the future for your kids and your kids' kids. If you succumb to the giant of paranoia, suspicion, discouragement, depression, suicidal thoughts, anxiety, panic attacks, racing thoughts, insomnia, you're not just losing one day. You're losing territory for the future. And you've got to face those giants. Somebody say, face those giants. So Goliath gives his threat. And in verse 11, it says, when Saul and the Israelites heard Goliath's threat, they were terrified and they were shaking. Give Juan a big hand, thank you so much. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us today and help us to conquer the giant in our head. In Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna worship more at the end, but I wanna talk to you about a word that I learned when I was in high school called Godfidence. Godfidence, everybody say Godfidence. It's a little bit different than confidence. You know, it doesn't have the C-O-N. It's G-O-D-F-I-D-E-N-C-E. Godfidence is not having confidence in your fleshly skills or abilities or your personality or the family you grew up in or your, your last name or the money you have in your bank account. Godfidence is confidence in the Lord who lives inside you. Godfidence is living with a divine boldness, completely aware of the reality of your flaws, the flaws of people around you, completely aware of the circumstances you're facing. You're not like burying your head in the sand saying, I don't wanna look at it. No, 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 you see Goliath. You see the cancer, you see the problem, you see the addiction, you see the, the situation, you see it head on. But instead of allowing that to become so big in your mind, you are so much more aware that God is with you, that God is for you, that God lives inside you. If God is for us, who can be against us? God has not given you and I a spirit of fear or intimidation, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. God wants you and I to operate with confidence. He wants us to operate in boldness and courage. Proverbs 28.1 says, the righteous are as bold as a lion, but the wicked flee, though no one pursues them. That's interesting, right? The righteous, these are people who didn't live their life perfect, but they put their faith in a perfect God. You know who wrote Proverbs 28? Solomon. Do you think Solomon was perfect in all of his ways? No, the man had a thousand wives. And he had, he had way too many women in his life. He was obsessed with all kinds of bad things. And yet God still loved Solomon. And God still used Solomon. 
And Solomon wrote that verse knowing that righteousness does not come from how good we've been. It's not an excuse to live in sin, but it's a reminder to find your righteousness in a perfect God when you've been imperfect, to put your faith in a good God. Solomon finally got rid of all the idols in his life at the very end. He admitted that the fear of the Lord is the greatest thing we can pursue as human beings to live a life in honor of God. He finally came to his senses and he realized that righteousness doesn't come from what he's done or what his dad has done or what his wife has done or what you've done, that righteousness comes from what God has done for us. And when we have that kind of righteousness, we can live with boldness. He says the righteous are as bold as a lion. The wicked flee though no one pursues them. My dad used to tell me this story when I was little, and I love this story. Um, he said, when he was like eight or nine years old, he said, I was walking down the street, this was in uh, the 1950s, so he was born in 52, so this would have been like 1959, maybe 1960. Um, he said, I was walking down the street in, in Magnolia, Arkansas, that's where he was born, and one day there was a group of bullies that stood in the middle of the street, and they had baseball bats, they were on their bikes, and they said, hey, little kid, and he said, I'm not a little kid. I'm Billy Joe Doherty. You know, <laughs> he said his name and they kind of laughed. They're like, ha ha, Billy Joe. You know, they were kind of making fun of his name and making fun of him. And they said, uh, we aren't gonna let you pass this way down this street anymore. We own this side of the street. And my dad was scared. So he took off running, went back home. What these bullies didn't know is that my dad had two older brothers named Charles and Jack. And Charles and Jack were teenagers. They were eight years older than my dad. They were like 17, 18 years old. And so they said, Billy Joe, what did you just say? He said, there's some bullies picking on me out there. So Charles grabs his baseball bat, his slugger bat. Jack grabs his baseball bat. They're like, where are these bullies? When my dad told this story, I was so excited. I was like, did they beat them with the bats? And my dad was like, no, just listen. And so... Uh, so they come walking down the street with, with, you know, two older brothers. I just love when brothers stand up for each other. We got three sons. We're trying to teach our sons, you know, stand up for each other. You know, grab some baseball bats, you know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Y'all are like, don't mess with the darty boys. No. So, uh, so Jack and Charles are walking in front of their little brother, Billy Joe, and they come up to these bullies that are like 10 or 11 years old. And they go, hey, you messing with our little brother? And they're like, no. You know, and he and Jack was like, Billy Joe says you were messing with him. And they're like, oh, Billy Joe's your little brother. And uh, Jack grabs the baseball bat. He says, if you want to mess with my brother, you got to get through me. And they start backing up. And then Charles stands next to him. Charles is six foot four. Charles is like, you mess with once you mess with him, you got to mess with me before you mess with Billy Joe. They took off running. When you know who's with you, you're not afraid to face the giants. When you know who's on your side. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. What caused the Israelites and Saul to run? I honestly think it's a fear that many of us in this room have. It's the fear of man. Proverbs 29 verse 25 says, the fear of man lays a snare. It is a trap, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. The fear of man, and you, you might go, Paul, I'm not afraid of man. And we, we all in this room at some point in our lives have allowed what people think, what people say, how people are going to react and respond to determine what we do. At some point in our lives, we've all done this before, and I think we fall into two traps. Number one, we fall into the trap of idolatry. We turn people into idols. So we say, what this person thinks about me is more important than what God thinks about me. If dad doesn't think I can play baseball, doesn't matter. If, if, if my mom doesn't think I'm good enough for this, then I'll never try. If she says I'm not pretty, then you know, if they think I'm not good enough, if this person has disqualified me, then that's all that matters. And we fall down to this trap of idolatry. We've turned people into idols. Their approval means more than God's approval. We place our value, our worth, our identity in what man says about us, what they review about us. I remember hearing this celebrity talk on a talk show and he said, um, I paid for the highest security to, to guard my house. I had an alarm system. I had all these locks. I had a gate. I had a wall built around my house. This was John Mayer, a famous songwriter, singer. And he said, um, one day I opened up my laptop and I began to read reviews on Apple Music about my new album that I just released. And he said, every review, it was like it climbed over the wall, came through the locks, came through the alarm system, bypassed all of the security I paid for, went straight to my heart and just destroyed me. 
He said, I felt like the biggest failure, that my music was no longer good. He said, I had three years earlier, I had won all these big awards for the album I made, but this second album, it was like nobody thought it was good. And he said, I started listening to their opinions, and he said, it drove me into a deep depression. Now, this is a celebrity. If depression comes for the richest and the most famous, I think it's not far-fetched to believe it can come for any of us in this room. When we start listening to what people think about us, when we make their approval, their opinions. By the way, they didn't make you, so don't let them break you. They didn't qualify you, so don't let them disqualify you. They didn't call you into this, so don't let them uncall you into what God's called you to. If God called you to sing, sing. If nobody likes it, you just keep on singing. If God called you to write a book, write that book. If nobody buys it, keep on writing. If God's called you to preach, preach. If God's called you to lead, lead. If God's called you to do something, stop letting man determine who you're gonna be, what you're gonna do. Start looking at what God has called you to do. These Israelites took off running because of one man's words. Goliath pushed them into a corner. He was their idol. Number two, the fear of man leads us into ineffectiveness. Not only do we turn people into idols, we allow them to determine our actions. When we fear man, we neglect God's calling and we lose focus on executing the tasks in front of us because we're preoccupied with what people think about us. The fear of being embarrassed, the fear of them making fun of us, the fear of them disqualifying us, the fear of people trying to pull you out of what God's called you to do. When, when March 2020 came along, I remember seeing on the news that the government started announcing, hey, everybody needs to shut down. Schools need to shut down. Churches need to shut down. Universities need to shut down. Send the students back home. COVID is everywhere. And, and, and this whole you know, universal commandment, everybody needs to bow down to COVID, right? And so everybody was doing it. And then they said, no, no, no. There are a few essential places that can stay open. Cannabis shops, liquor stores, Walmart, Walgreens, Target, Quick Trip. And I was like, what about church? <laughs> and they're like, church is non-essential, non-essential. And I remember listening to that, and it was like this spirit was trying to set down the effectiveness, trying to shut down the effectiveness of the body of Christ. And there, there were pastors, I called and I said, what are you doing? They're like, oh, we gotta do what, what everyone else is doing. They're like, I called a couple pastors, we're all shutting down, we all just need to shut down, we'll just do FaceTime for a while, we'll do YouTube for a while. And I was like, okay. But something inside of me, there was like this, there was like this alarm clock going off, like this is what the church was born for. Like Jesus didn't just die on the cross for a YouTube channel. He died on the cross for a church that was alive and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. And the gates of hell will not prevail against that church. And I'm all for YouTube channels, but I just think we gotta be physically connected. And call me old school, call me like old man and a young man's body. I don't know what you wanna call me, but I'm just saying I couldn't shake it. And I, I had, I'm gonna be honest, I had a panic attack that first week because I was like, if we step out and we try to do something, am I gonna get arrested? And then my five kids are gonna have to visit me in jail. And I'm gonna be a modern day Apostle Paul just writing letters from the jail. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, all right. Um, and so I was fearful, I was panicking, I was overwhelmed. I was like, should we do this? And I'm talking to Ashley and we're praying and she's like, what do you feel in your heart? I said, I feel like I'm supposed to get on the roof. And where there's a will, there's a way. I think too many times we hear, you know, a no and we go, okay. We hear a rejection. We say, all right, you know, the door's shut. And sometimes God wants us to keep knocking on a shut door. Sometimes God wants us, you know, I think about the guys who brought their friend to get a healing from Jesus, but the, the house was packed and they couldn't get in. And some people will stop right there like, well, we just can't get in. But these guys were so audacious, they, they climbed up the house and they pulled their friend around the side of the house and they, they brought him on top of the roof. And when they brought their friend on top of the roof, then they cut a hole 
in the top of the roof of the house. I'm just saying, I think when we read these stories, God's trying to give us some hints to get up on the roof and to not be shut down by the fear of man or by the masks of men or by what people are saying we should or shouldn't do. That somewhere in there, we gotta incline our hearts to God. I think God's coming back for a bold church, a courageous church, a church that's not bowing down to the spirit of what America says is politically correct or what Fauci says is politically correct or what Governor Newsom says is politically correct or even what our mayor says is politically. I think God's coming back for a church that says, I wanna be biblically correct more than I want to be politically correct. I want to line up with the faith and the word of Jesus Christ more than I want to please what people say is right. And so we got out there and we started feeding the hungry and we, we, we still social distance. We told people, you know, Paul's going to be on the roof preaching, might, might get on a scissor lift, might go up 40 feet high. Don't worry. You know, <laughs> just stay in your car, turn on your FM transmitters. And y'all people got saved every single service in 2020. If you were part of our 2020 rooftop revival, would you just raise your hand for 10 weeks straight? We had revival from the rooftop leading up towards Easter. We even did Easter outside on the roof. Jesus was hanging on a cross. It was 38 degrees outside. And uh, he rose from the grave. We celebrated. People were honking their horns, turning on their hazard lights, accepting Jesus. We ended up giving 16 million bags of groceries across the Midwest. The White House, Farmers to Families partnered with us. We fed Missouri and Oklahoma and Kansas and Texas and New Mexico and all around the Midwest. People were coming from everywhere. And it was on all the news. But we would have lost our purpose had we listened to Goliath. We would have lost our effectiveness had we allowed Goliath to become bigger. He's nine feet tall, nine, six inches. We know he's tall. We know COVID is real. We know sickness is real. We know circumstances are real. We know that doctors' diagnoses are not fake. We see that. We recognize that. But we also recognize God is still on the throne and he's still good and he's still faithful and he's still the good shepherd and he's still the provider and he's still Jehovah Nisi and he's still Jehovah Rapha and he's still Jehovah Jireh and he's still with us and he hasn't forsaken us and he hasn't given up on us. Somewhere in there, the enemy wants to convince you this is the end of the road. You might as well just die here. The enemy wants us to die before we die. He wants us to mentally die before we physically die. He wants us given up on dreams, given up on prayers, given up on miracles, given up on beliefs, just convincing us that this is as good as it gets. You know, I asked for this camera in my office. Someone gave me this camera at Christmas and um, say cheese. Nice. So this, this camera gives me a picture and in 90 seconds, this picture will be developed and um, it's not like Instagram, you gotta wait for it. You gotta wait for it. But, but here's, here's the point, is we take a picture of a current season in our life and we think this is as good as it gets. This is, this is the final scene, this is the final picture. I was looking this last week at pictures of Tulsa from 50 years ago, specifically this area of Tulsa, and I was looking, someone had pictures of ORU's campus from 1961, 1962, 1970. And this is the City of Faith Towers. This was built in the early 80s. I was born in there in 1985. And so um, I want you to look far off in that corner. You'll see a, a cow pasture and some trees on the other side of the hotel where Walmart is not yet on the other side. And where you're sitting today is that cow pasture, that field. And imagine if whoever took this picture said, this is the final scene. This is all that there will ever be in this part of Tulsa. We might as well not believe for anything else. We might as not, uh, you know, this is what we need to accept. This is as good as it gets. And this is how a lot of people live their lives. This is how the Israelites ran from Goliath. They said, we're never going to get out of this. None of us could ever take him. We might as well succumb to defeat. But I wanna talk about the guy who took him on. Go to verse 12, now David. Somebody say, now David. We need some now Davids to show up in this generation. We need some Davids to take on what's going on in our nation right now, in public schools, in universities, in colleges, in middle schools, in elementaries. Now David was the youngest in his family. He was overlooked. He was ignored. His own dad didn't even believe in him. And, and his dad tells him, David, while you're watching those sheep, your brothers are fighting in the war right now. 
and I need you to go and take them a charcuterie board. I need you to go take them some bread and cheese and a little bit of meat. You're gonna be the um, DoorDash delivery guy. You're gonna be the Uber Eats delivery. I just need you to go and drop off some food and come back to the sheep because that's where you belong, David. And David submitted himself to a father who tolerated him. In a world that says go where you're celebrated, not where you're tolerated, the Bible shouts the opposite. The Bible says if you endure the toleration of men and fathers who are not always the kindest and encouraging, your father sees what you do in private, what you do in secret. If you get under who God puts over you, God will put you over what's tried to get over you. God will give you a promotion when man forgets about you. We're so chasing after the approval of man that we forget God is the ultimate boss. He is the secret boss. He sees all. He knows all. He sees the way we talk and treat people that aren't always the kindest. And God says, I see that. I see your honor, your humility, even for someone who's not very kind to you, David. And when God sees what we do in private, he rewards us in public. So David gets up early in the morning. Look at this in verse 20. It says, so David left the sheep with another shepherd. Talk about stewardship. He didn't leave them alone. A responsible leader, a responsible pastor. And he sets out early in the morning. Everybody say early. Victory starts early. Victory starts in the morning. If you're going to win in 2024, you got to have an early morning routine. You got to start early. You got to start serving early. You got to start reading your Bible early. You got to start worshiping early. You got to start praying early. You go, no, 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 Paul. When I wake up, I like to just sit for a little while, look at social media, talk to friends on the phone, listen to some music that I enjoy listening to, watch some TV. But if you're going to have victory in the afternoon, you got to have some victory in the morning. If you're going to have the breakthrough in the evening, you got to start with victory in the morning. You got to start with some worship. Turn your car ride into a church service on Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Thursday morning, Wednesday morning, Friday morning. Invite the Holy Spirit to take over your morning routine this year. Get a morning routine of worship going on. Get a morning routine of listening to the Bible. Get a morning routine of praising the Lord, giving worship to the Lord. David set out early when he came to the area where his brothers were. Look at this. He comes out and he hears Goliath taunting Israel. David heard Goliath shouting his usual sarcastic remarks. As soon as the Israelite army saw Goliath, in verse 24, they ran away in fear. As a man thinketh, so a man is. If I think small, I live small. If I think defeated, I live defeated. Have you seen the giant, the men asked. He comes out every day. This is what fear does. This is what anxiety does. This is what depression does. This is what addictions do. They don't just tempt you once a week. They tempt you in the morning and the evening. Fear shows up in the morning and the evening. I can't get it off my mind. It's, it's there in the morning. When I wake up, I'm thinking about it. And then in the evening, it's there in the evening. When I try to get it off my mind, there it is. And I'm owned by it. I'm owned by Goliath. This is what the enemy wants, to own us in the morning, in the evening. For 40 days, the giant did this. And David said, hold up. Why hasn't anyone take on this giant? What will happen for the man that beats this giant? They said, haven't you heard? The king has offered his own daughter to be the wife of the man who kills the giant, which is good. But the second thing was more enticing to David. They said, also, he won't have to pay taxes for the rest of his life. Neither will his family. David was like, I'm in. So David says, Yes, sign me up. I want to take on the giant. When his older brother Eliab heard him say this, he said, who do you think you are? Where did you leave your sheep? Why do you even think you have what it takes to take on this giant? Isn't it interesting that David had no position, no title, but he was a threat to his brothers? People are more threatened by your spirit than they are by your title. That's when you know you're special, when you got a spirit of confidence and people are threatened by you and you're not even the boss. Something's on you. You got the favor of God. You got a calling on your life. You've been marked for such a time as this. You've been chosen for something greater. David looks at his brother and he says, is there not a cause? In other words, what I'm about to do is going to help you too, bro. You won't have to pay taxes now if I do this for you. But this is bigger than our family. This is about our nation. This is about the territory of the next generation. This is about our future kids. David was 16. He wasn't married, didn't have any kids. 
but he knew that whoever won this match would be slaves for the rest of their life. He was breaking a generational curse that day. He was challenging something that had been affecting his father's and his grandfathers and his great-grandfather. This was something that every generation had to face. And David said, is there not a cause? And then he walked towards the king. He said, don't worry about this Philistine in verse 32. I will fight him. I want the band to come out. The king said, don't be ridiculous. You're a mere boy. And this Philistine has been a man of war since his youth. And I love David's confidence. I wanna give you a couple of giant lessons from this whole story Something we can learn from the way that David approached this giant that I think will give us confidence for this year, 2024. And that is number one, see God through what God's word says about him. A.W. Tozer, a famous theologian, he said, the most important thing about every believer is how they view God. Because how they view God will determine how they live their life. Our response to life's circumstances is a direct result of our perception of God. If we run from our problems, it's because we don't think God can handle it. David was not overwhelmed with fear. He was filled with faith. Why? Because he knew the Lord who watched over him. He had a relationship with God. He had a perception of God that his brothers didn't have. He believed God was bigger than Goliath. He believed God was stronger than Goliath. He believed that God was able to do what Goliath was not able to do. He knew Goliath was a mere man who was nine feet tall, six inches. Yes, he's tall. Yes, he's big, but he's human. There is a divine power in heaven that is greater than any human on earth. David knew who God was. Number two, we've got to see ourselves through what God's word says about us. It's not enough to just see God as greater because we can sing songs like, you have no rival. And that's great. God's like, yes. But then we can go, I'm such a weakling. I'm so defeated. I'm so depressed every day. You know, and we just get on social media and we talk about our, our woes, our problems, our flaws. And God says, hold on, you're more than a conqueror. Greater is he who lives in you than he that is in this world. You could do all things, Paul, through Christ who strengthens you. Let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor man say, I am rich. You are the head and not the tail. You are the lender and not the borrower. You are the victor. You are not the victim. But if you carry a victim mindset everywhere you go, you're always under and always just, ah, I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not as pretty as, I'm not, I'm not qualified. Who said so? Well, you know, the voice is in my head. The giant in my head that giant of defeat, of anxiety, of stress. We've gotta renew our minds to see who God says we are. Number three, see circumstances through what God's word says about your circumstances. This morning when I was driving to church, there was a deep fog over the whole city of Tulsa. How many of you guys were driving through the fog or you saw it this morning? It was pretty, right? Kind of, you couldn't see anything. But I, wanted, I want you to just see a picture of the fog over the city of Tulsa. We're gonna throw it up on the screen. It's a very unique picture. When you look at this fog sitting over our city, a fog that covers over a mile of streets. So we're talking like 10 blocks in a square mile can fit into a glass of water. Can I hold your bottle of water for a second? Yeah, thank you. Nice. So this is about... I'm guessing this right here is a couple ounces. I don't know. But here, here's the point. A fog that fills up a mile plus of the city of Tulsa can fit into four ounces of water. So this right here, if I was to ask God to turn it into a fog, he could use this right here to cover over a mile of land. We oftentimes are allowing something so small to become so big. And we're going... God, I, I just don't think I can conquer this habit. I don't think I could ever lose this weight. I don't think I could ever fix this problem. I don't think I could ever forgive him for what he did. And, and, and you go, Paul, it's, it's not four ounces. It's huge what happened to me. I'm not saying it wasn't a big deal. I'm sure it was and I'm sure it is. But what I am saying is so much of our problems are mind games and we allow strongholds to be fogs in our brain where we go, I just can't get over it. I just can't let it go. It's just, it's covering every block in my head. It's, uh, it's, 
the anxiety from this situation. When did it happen? 26 years ago. And I just can't let it go. What, what's, what's holding you back? Ah, uh, fear, anger, anxiety, bitterness, resentment. They didn't apologize. I don't know what to do with it. I just, just can't let it go. And it's a stronghold. And I wonder if in 2024, God's calling you to face Goliath. I wonder if God's saying, it's time to stop living in the ineffectiveness, the paralyzation of something that's been eating you alive on the inside. And I'm not saying it's not a big deal. I'm just saying we make it bigger than it is. And God's saying, it's time to deal with that giant out here. By the way, there's a bigger giant that wants to live on the inside of you than the giant of that doctor's diagnosis or what that person said. There is a giant named Jesus Christ who is bigger than Goliath, who says, if you'll let me come in, I stand at the door and I knock and whoever lets me in, I will come and make my home in his heart. And when Jesus lives inside you, when you let the Holy Spirit live inside you, there is no giant on the outside that you cannot defeat. So David begins to do something interesting here. And I wanna give it to you, number four, know who you are by knowing whose you are. David begins to remind himself that he is a child of God, that he belongs to the armies of God. Even though he's not a soldier enlisted in Saul's army, he says, I'm a soldier of a bigger army. It's the armies of heaven. And I serve a king that's higher than you, Saul. No offense, but you're just a human king. I serve the king of kings. He watches over me. He is the good shepherd. Number five, remember your victories. Here's a giant lesson right here. If you're going to face some battles in 2024 you've never faced, you're gonna to have to recall some victories you've had in your past. Saul looks at David, he says, don't be ridiculous, you can't do this. David persisted in verse 34. He says, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. When a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club. There's your baseball bat right there. I go after it with the club. I knock that lion in the jaw. I break that bear's teeth off. Come on, I love the, but the Bible is so intense, it's so good. I catch it by the jaw and I club that bear to death. <laughs> In other words, David was saying, this ain't my first rodeo. This ain't the first battle I've fought. I've got some private battles you don't know anything about. And God was with me with the bear. God was with me with the lion. And what I walked through back then has prepared me for the giant today. Saul looks at him, he says, okay, all right, all right. You can take on Goliath, but first let me give you my armor. So he takes his armor, starts putting it on David. David had never worn any armor like this. All he had done was having a slingshot out in a field and he's wearing Saul's armor. I remember when I first started preaching at Victory, there was people that were friends with my dad and they said, you need to dress like your dad. I was like, okay. So I went to, to my mom's house. She still had a lot of his clothes and I borrowed his suit and I wore my dad's suit jacket, suit pants. It was really big on me. I looked really funny. I mean, I just had oversized suit jacket, oversized suit pants. I even wore his shoes, wore his shoes, wore a tie. And I'd get up here and preach that first year in my dad's suit sometimes, but it just didn't feel like me. And there was a friend who came up to me and they, they said, Paul, it's time for you to wear your own shoes. And they pulled out a pair of Chelsea boots. They said, here's some, here's some shoes for you. I knew what they were saying. They were saying, it's time for me to be who God's made me to be and not just be a copy of my dad. And they said, you know, you can live to be like your dad the rest of your life and people might accept you. But once they find out who you really are, they may not like you. But if you'll just go ahead and be who you really are and let the people who don't like you leave, then God will bring people who really do connect with who you are and your voice and your shoes and the way that God's designed you to be and, and let everyone else go chase somebody else. And all I'm trying to say is some of us are wearing armor God didn't call us to wear. God's calls you to be an original. Don't die as a copy. So David recalls his victories. And then number six, he attacks the giant quickly. Juan, will you step back up here? So the giant obviously has been intimidating all the Israelites. He's high, the Israelites are low. David hears him shouting. He's like, hey, little boy, I'm gonna feed your carcass to the birds of the air. So Goliath is talking to little David. David's a little teenager. But David starts talking back to the giant. He says, you uncircumcised Philistine who defies the armies of the living God. David didn't get taller on the outside. He got taller on the inside. David dethroned the giant of fear, the giant of panic, the giant of addiction, the giant of intimidation. David got bigger. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. David started believing in the God that lived inside of him. 
And he said, I'm gonna feed you to the birds of the air. Then he took that slingshot. Now I'm not gonna illustrate this today. I did illustrate David and Goliath when I was in nursery and I was Goliath, a little boy threw a wooden block at my head, cut my head open, I went to the hospital, got eight stitches in the front of my head. It's awesome, totally worth it. Won't do that today. But David slung one stone. The longer you wait to deal with the giant, the bigger he gets. He's not on a diet, he's gonna keep eating. That giant's gonna get bigger, that addiction, that problem, that circumstance, that bitterness, that resentment that fear, that panic, that worry, whatever it is, it just gets bigger. So that's why he said, now I gotta do this today. He could have said, I'll get around to it. I could conquer this anytime I want to. I'll go to rehab when it's time. I'll, I'll deal with this in a month or two. I'll deal with this next year. Just give me some more time. But something inside him said, I can't wait another day. Today is the day the Lord has made and I will slay Goliath. I will deal with my giant. Number seven, cut the head off. I'm not gonna illustrate this, thank you, Juan. <laughs> David took the sword of Goliath and he said, this is for my future kids and their kids and every generation that follows to know that God is the God of a little boy named David. Nobody believed him. You gotta believe in yourself when nobody else does. When everyone else has disqualified you, you gotta find the qualification through the power of the Holy Spirit. Say, I'm called to do this. When everyone says you can't do it, and he took that sword and he chopped Goliath's head off. There was something about that. He just stands on the giant and he holds his head up to Israel. And he says, this is the power of the God of Israel. Now, I just wanna say this to someone today. There are some giants you have in your life, some dreams, for me, it was a dream to write a book and people said, you're not really that great of a preacher, so you probably won't be that great of an author. But you know what? Hey, thank you. And, and if we live off the compliments of men, we'll die by the criticism of men. Somewhere in there, you gotta tell yourself, if God called me to do this, I'm going to do it. And if God said it's going to be a promise in my future, whether it's to get married, whether it's to have children, whether it's to start a business, whether it's to launch a product, whether it's to do a ministry thing, I don't know what it is. For some of you, it might be a dream to preach on this stage. Like, whatever the dream is, don't let anyone talk you out of whatever that dream that God's put in your heart. Maybe it's to sing, maybe it's to write a song, maybe it is whatever that thing is, start a YouTube channel, whatever God's called you to do. Don't let fear, don't let the opinions of man, don't let the approval of people convince you you can't because you can. With Jesus, you can. Christ in me is the master key. Number eight, remember God always has more in store for your future. No matter how bad it gets, no matter how far you fall, remember, this is not your final picture. There is so much more. Would you stand your feet all over this place? Give thanks to God. Y'all received that word today? You've got the victory. There's a giant inside you that wants to beat the giant that's been messing with you. And I want to pray for you today. If you would just close your eyes all over this place. Lord, I pray for every man in the room, every woman in the room, every young guy, every young girl, every person in the room who's been battling confusing thoughts. Every person in the room that's been battling fearful thoughts, anxious thoughts, every person in the room that's been battling inadequacy, insecurity, inferiority, feeling less than, feeling not enough, feeling not good enough, not pretty enough, not strong enough. Whoever it is in this room that just needs to know, God, that you are greater than every flaw, every problem, every circumstance, every diagnosis, every situation that they're dealing with right now. You are greater than Goliath. And Lord, I pray today just for confidence, just a, a heavenly divine courage to fill their hearts, their minds, God, that this is the year they're gonna win the mind games that the enemy's been messing with them, playing with them. This is the year they're gonna fulfill some dreams that they've been writing down in their journal, that they've been praying about. They've had a, just a prayer in their heart for some things they've been believing God for. This is a year, Lord, for breakthrough 
for unusual miracles. If that's you in the room, whoever I'm talking to, I want you to leave your seat, come down to the altar. If I was preaching to you today, I want you to just come down to the altar. If you, you're like, man, this has my name written on it. There are some things that I need to see victory in this year. There are some Goliaths that I have been having to face. There are some battles in my mind that I need to win. Maybe it's fear, maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's a bad habit you need to break. Maybe it's a, an addiction you need to get free from. Maybe it is a dream you wanna fulfill. Maybe it's a book God's called you to write. Maybe it's a ministry God's put in your heart. Maybe it is a prayer you've been praying, a, a, a breakthrough you've been believing God for. Whatever it is today, come down to the altar. If you're here today and you say, man, I'm not right with God. I'm not, I don't even know if I'm really saved, if I'm forgiven. Today is your day for salvation. Today is your day for forgiveness. Come and join us at this altar. Today is your day to surrender, to say, Lord, I repent of my sins. Lord, I surrender to your will. Your kingdom come, your will be done. God, help me to see you for who you really are. Help me to see me for who I really am. Help me to see your power in every problem that I'm up against and every situation that I face. Let's just begin to worship the Lord. Let's just fix our voice, our focus on what God has for our hearts, for our lives this year. And you have no rival. God, you have no rival. You, have no you are greater than any giant we face. Greater is he in you than he that is in this world. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You have the mind of Christ. You've not been given a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans that are good to give you hope and a future. Yeah, let's fix our focus on Jesus today. You have no equal, Lord. that's writing a new chapter in their story. Better habits, a better mindset, a better lifestyle. God's saying this is your year to walk in victory in some areas that the enemy has been beating you up in. God says, you've got the victory. You've got the victory.
I was talking with my friend, Tony, right over here on the front row, raise your hand, Tony, right before service. He's known in Tulsa as Mr. Greenwood, the mayor of Greenwood. And I said, Tony, what's in your heart? He said, man, people are talking to me someday to run for mayor of Tulsa someday. I said, you've got what it takes. Don't let anybody tell you you can't do something when God starts to drop a dream in your heart. I believe this church is raising up tomorrow's leaders, not just of Tulsa or Oklahoma, but the United States of America. I feel like our church is gonna have presidents that come out of this church. We're gonna have presidents of companies and nations, and we're gonna have mighty men and women of God, warriors, victors. This is a church Listen, if you wanna live small and defeat and discourage, you came into the wrong place because we're gonna help you get the victory. We're gonna help you walk in victory, think in victory, and start believing that God has greater things he wants to do. And listen, make no small, make no small plans here. You might go, well, Paul, all I wanna do is have a good marriage. That's not a small plan, that's a big plan. All I wanna do is have children. That's a big deal. You want those children to love Jesus? Yes. That's a big, don't make small plans. Well, I just hope that I survive. No, no, no. God wants you to make a mark on your family, on your community, on your neighborhood for the glory of God. God wants you to be an influence. He wants to use you to lead people to Christ this year. Some of you are gonna lead some people to Christ in your neighborhood, your workplace, your university. You're gonna be sharing the gospel. You're gonna be inviting people to church, starting a connect group. You might even write a book this year. You might even do some things you never thought you would do. Lead an outreach, go on a mission trip. But I'm just telling you, the Lord is stirring up his church. He's saying, this is your year to overcome every fear, to overcome every approval addiction to man's opinions, and to rise up in the glory of God and fulfill the promises and the dreams he's placed in your heart. Just say this with me. Jesus, I belong to you. Satan, I rebuke you. You have no authority over the children of God. And I'm a child of God. I belong to Jesus. Greater is he who lives in me than he that is in this world. I will walk in victory because I have the victory through Jesus Christ who died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave. And because he lives, I can face today, I can face tomorrow without fear, but with faith, because I have the victory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I love you, God loves you, be blessed.